it now, say it now. You're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. We are here in the beautiful city of Portland, Oregon, at the Momentum Studio once again. Spencer Shea is yeah. joining me. Yeah, and it is. It's beautiful. It just got beautiful outside, man. It's nice. It's been raining. That's for not beautiful. Days. But it just cracked open just in time for the Wake Up and Win podcast, man. So you like you like the winter months out here? I do. I like the rain, man. It's nice, you know. It's like it's it's a battle, you know. I, like I the battle. I can't stand the rain. <laughs> oh, damn! <man. laughs> I can't. I cannot stand the rain. Yeah. It is just not my thing. That's why the wintertime grind is so important for me because that's what keeps me sane in the Pacific Northwest. During the winter months. I'm a summer guy. Yeah. I'm from California. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, even though it gets a little gloomy in the Bay, of course, because we're right on top of the water, but I'm more of a summer guy. Like, I like summer activities. I like being out and about in the summer. I like the social aspect of the summer. The winter, I just like book myself until I can't book myself anymore so that I could just grind through the winter and be doing but something see, productive and keep my mind for, off though, of is to work. That's what I've been saying. It's wintertime grind that. matters. That's it. It definitely and, matters. And I love it. Getting shut in and you know you really get a chance to just like enjoy because it's nice outside, especially looking through your window. It's nice outside hearing the rain going, seeing the sky all gray. I, I like it. So definitely not, so. not not complaining over on my side, Pete. Yeah, I, I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm not going to lie to y'all. I can't stand it, but I'm here. <laughs> so, again, grind time season is on the way. Speaking of, we got some announcements here real quick, mm. starting with this Sunday, November 7th. I'm getting my days. No, 7th is right. This Sunday, November 7th, I'm finally back on the call on the hardwood. Pacific University hey. women's basketball. Pacific. Okay, nice. Getting it started this year for me. Right. Um, they play against University of Santa Cruz at 1 p.m. Oh, check it out on GoBoxers.com, the same place where you check out the Pacific University football games. As you all know, I call those games as well. But I'm actually, uh, of the three teams that I'm covering, like, obviously, each of them have their perks. You know, Portland State is Division One. It's just a bigger feel when you're calling those games. Sure. You know, the being able to call games in the Viking Pavilion is super dope. So I, I thoroughly enjoy being able to call the Portland State games. And I'm an analyst at Portland State. So I get to kind of exercise a different muscle from sure. when I'm calling games for Pacific where I'm more so doing play-by-play, -play, whether it be football, men's, or women's basketball. So um, for the men's basketball team at Pacific, they have such a unique system that the pace of their games are always insane. They full court press the entire game. They like overplay everything. Games tend to be really, really high scoring, either in their oh, favor shit. because they're like forcing a bunch of turnovers or not in their favor because they're not forcing any and teams are beating them on the back end of the press. There's it's always high scoring games. Like they get into to the hundreds like regularly because there's so many more possessions based on the speed of so the game. A lot of fast break action and stuff. It's a lot of fast break action, um, but a, but a lot of like I said, it's either a lot of like turnovers 
being forced, if their defense is doing what it intends to, playing that style of basketball, they run like a – this is how crazy it is, bro. The men's basketball team, they sub for the most part until like the second half when you kind of got to have your best guys on the floor. Because of the style of play and the pace that they play out, they do like five in, five out substitution patterns in the earlier part of the game because they like to keep fresh legs on the court because they're just going to constantly pressure you, constantly, constantly pressure you. What are the shifts for those five in, five out? Like maybe three minutes. Damn. Turning and burning. Turning and burning. That's how, that's the pace. That's how intense the pace is. So it's cool to call. Obviously, you know what I mean? Because there tends to be some type of excitement there. It just depends on who the excitement is coming from. Because if a team figures that press out, I mean, I've seen guys put up 50 (laughs) against that because, you know, the coach is pretty steadfast in that system and running that system. But I've also seen situations where they may go down 20 and and they come back within like five minutes because – Again, you get more possessions on goal. You get to get a lot more opportunities at make at shooting and making baskets, of course, especially if you are forcing turnovers or you're wearing the other team down and they're rushing up shots and then you're attacking it right back at them. So it's pretty unique calling their games in comparison to any of the other games. As you do over at Portland State. So, like, you don't get to see, like, people jamming it. Yeah, it's a little you know different in that I mean? regard. Like that, it's a little – but – but brings a totally different element to it, the game, it, especially in a live setting. It definitely does. Play above the rim like it, that. It, playing above the rim definitely does bring a different excitement when it comes to being able to call Division One games. But what I will say about Division Three, it's really tough. Like, it's tough, gritty basketball – and those dudes can shoot. Sure. Because it's sure. a lot of guys that weren't able to rely on their athleticism to even be able to make it to play NCAA collegiate ball at any level. So you got a lot of guys who, like, fundamentally that- are so sound at the Division three level, but they just they don't have the hops. Well, they don't have the athleticism bro, that they've been able to depend on their entire lives leading up to their, to that point. So you do see some really crisp basketball at the Division sure, three I mean, level. Yo, but it's just like in like prospecting the golf swing or the baseball swing. Like people have so much, everybody can shoot now. Everyone has access to the information how to do things mechanically sound. Yeah. And so you know, I, I agree. The, I, I agree with that. But when you've been doing it for a long time and you've been doing it forever, <laughs> because that's all you've been able to do, oh, no, because you can't. That's what I'm saying. Because, again, you can't rely good. on the I'm athleticism in the same way. Everyone is good because yeah. everyone's like, oh, I can just do this all day the right way from the beginning. Yeah. And then just get hella good. Division. <laughs> the, I would say the Division three level was a little bit ahead of the curve in that regard. Wow. All right. That's tight. Guys really. Go and I played at that level. So obviously I know. Sunday? You said that was Sunday? This Sunday. This is for the women's. Now, I haven't acknowledged them yet outside of obviously announcing that they have their first game because the women's game is where I'm getting started. What I'm most excited about in being able to call games for this women's team is I think they have the highest ceiling in terms of the success that they can have this season. Okay. Um, They're returning a lot of players. Um, last year it was a condensed season, so they didn't really play. They play like maybe ten games, ten or twelve games, something like that, during the spring, just to be able to have a season because of COVID. So they didn't have a legitimate season last year. But the year before, they made it to the postseason for the first time in a long time. I forget what year it was, but for the first time in a long time, they made it. I don't know what year it was by Sunday's call, but <laughs> for the first time, <laughs> they put the, yeah. They put the sheet in front of you. <laughs> 
I know what it is my Sunday's called, but for right now, it's, it's blanking me. Now go to goboxers.com on Sunday. And see yeah, and, 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 well, yeah, hear what I do. Hear he what won't. I do. Hear he how won't. I turn it on. Hear how I turn it on, how I flip the switch and make it happen. But anywho, but anywho like like I said, they had a very successful season a couple of season ago, uh, seasons ago. They're returning a lot of those players. Um, they had, like, the first home court playoff game in a really long time. They were third in the – no, they were second in the conference that season. Wow. So I think, like I said, in terms of success, based on recent history, they should have the most successful season of the three schools that I do call – or the three teams, I should say, that I do call games for. So I'm excited about that to see, like, what the trajectory of their season is going to be because they're expected to do some pretty big things based cool. on, like I said, recent history. So each of them have their own perks, you know, in terms of being able to call the games and their own uniqueness in terms of me being able to kind of work a new muscle, you know, sure. as far as – this profession is concerned. That's hard. But uh, I, I'm definitely excited to be back calling games on the hardwood. The, yeah. the sound, the squeaking of the shoes, <laughs> all of that is, is oh, just yeah. so therapeutic to me. Even Rap more so than... therapeutic. Yeah, the, the sounds, being indoors, and like I said, being in the action as well, like football, you're kind of up in the booth, so you're calling wow. it from like the furthest away of anybody that's in the stadium watching the game. So right. that's not the greatest, but... As far as basketball, you're like in the action, you're in the gym or, you know, for the most part, I'm at the scores table calling games. So I'm like, I might as well be on the court playing. I'm just sitting down talking instead. So those things really like make basketball fun for me, being able to call basketball games. So that's what's this weekend. I haven't quite figured out next weekend yet, and I'll talk about that next week on next week's episode because I want to leave some suspense there. And I want you guys to come back and listen to next week's episode. But I got sort of a dilemma in terms of my schedule next weekend. Oh. And I'll talk through it here on the Wake Up and Win podcast next week. So saving this suspense for you all for what my schedule will be next weekend. And we will talk about it right here on the Wake Up and Win podcast next Thursday. So look at me leaving suspense in the announcements <laughs> these days. Who who can do that? Foreshadowing, baby. <laughs> Foreshadowing, baby. Who can do that? Who Stable, can leave staples. suspense in announcements? Not even like the content or any like i'm leaving suspense in the announcements <laughs> but that's what makes this podcast what it is so um be sure to check it out goboxers.com this sunday at 1 p.m do you got any announcements i think not no i'm just playing <laughs> <laughs> no man i'm tucked away right now all right man. sounds I'm good hibernating, bro I'm, in, I'm hibernating right now the only place that you can get me to say yes to come to right now is the Wake Up and Win podcast. That's I like the only it. place I'm committing to. I like the so I commitment. Come here, talk my shit, say what's up to the people. You know how it is. I like the commitment. Other than that, other than that you won't. You, if you see me, I'll be zooming by you. Believe that, me, you believe that. Absolutely. Now it's been a heavy week in sports, and we're gonna get into the heavier stuff real soon. Obviously, the situation with rugs. Um, yeah. This is a Raider podcast, so you know we're going to talk about that, this Aaron Rodgers situation, amongst other things that are happening in the world of sports that we'll get to. But I'm actually going to start this episode off by calling my good friend, 
and my former co-host, Justin Myers, because Justin Myers just so happens to be this huge Atlanta Braves fan, and we're going to find out why here shortly. And obviously the Braves won the World Series, so congratulations to the Atlanta Braves first and foremost for yeah, being World Series champions. Shout out to Atlanta, man. That's yeah, yeah. Cool. I mean, like I said, I just got back from Atlanta, so I'm not surprised based Blessing on my the experience there that the Braves won. <laughs> just <Blessing that. laughs> if my If my experience if, in Atlanta had anything to do with with the Braves winning the World Series, I'm willing to bet the bank it, on it. I'm feel, betting the house on it, You dog. can feel it in the air down there. Oh, there. yeah. Okay. You can feel All it right. in the air. You can feel it in the air. But let me see if uh, Justin answers here. What's happening? My man, you are live on the Wake Up and Win podcast. How are you doing, sir? I'm fantastic. I'm sure. We're on right now? We're on. We're live. The I mic is it. hot. The, <laughs> the mic is hot. I'm calling and, and we're getting, we're going to allow you to run your victory lap here in just a second. Um, obviously, you're a huge Atlanta Braves fan, but before you just come over here running a victory lap about the Braves being World Series champions, I got to ask you, as a kid from Oregon, how are you not considered a bandwagon Braves fan? How am I not considered a bandwagon Braves fan? Yeah, because you're not even from Atlanta. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you asked because they're <laughs> it's a great story. So this this is something. Devon, that, by the way, hey, how's it going, bud? It's going great, Justin. How you doing? I'm excited to have you. It's been a minute, man. Miss you, buddy. Good to, good to talk to you. Uh, <laughs> but, all right, I'll, 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 I'll lay it out, and you you can judge if you think I'm a, I'm a bandwagon fan or not. So when I was when I was growing up in, in a tiny town in southern Oregon, um, there was no Major League Baseball team, obviously, in the state of Oregon. There still isn't one. Um, but You've, well, but yeah. sorry to cut you off. Do you think we're ever going to get one? No. All I right. Don't. Carry on. <laughs> I, can't just, I, I can't. I can. I can sit here and tell you. I wish. I think that I can't lie to you, pounds. No, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> uh, I think. I think. I think. Just if you look at what's going on in Las Vegas. Las Vegas stole your Raiders. Yeah, uh, they gonna did. Try, they're going to try to. They're going to come for the A's next which was the best chance, I think. I don't know, man. I think the A's are going to stick around. I think the city is coming around today, staying in Oakland. I, you know what? I hope so. I do, I do I too. So because I, 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 I think it's, you know, the, the Warriors up to moved across the Bay. Uh, they abandoned Oakland. The Raiders were stolen to Las Vegas. I, I want the A's to stay. They need a new stadium, but obviously we don't have time for that. But so going back, it's, I, it is the year pounds is, is 1984. All right. 1984 was the year I'm five years old. I'm starting T-ball. Got it. And cable TV, there was TBS, WTBS, the superstation. Now, obviously, the internet did not exist. So all we had for baseball was the one game on Saturday on NBC in the summer. That's the only baseball you could watch on TV, except TBS, the superstation, had Atlanta Braves games because TBS and Turner Broadcasting was based out of Atlanta and it was cable TV nationwide. Now the Braves were terrible. And when I say terrible pounds, I mean terrible. They were in last place, but they were on every afternoon. Mm. And the Braves best the Braves best player was a guy named Dale Murphy. Dale Murphy from Wilson High School. I know it's not Wilson High School anymore, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, but 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 Dale Murphy is from Portland, Oregon. He's from Wilson High School. I was I was five years old, and there's not a lot of you know celebrities from Oregon where I'm from. Certainly not 
from Southern Oregon um, and until uh, my best friend and NFL Hall of Famer Troy Polamalu became one. Yeah, we're going to talk about your Canton trip here in a second. Good. But, but, Dale, but so now every afternoon in the summer, I've got the Atlanta Braves and Dale Murphy. And number three is a guy from – he's from where I'm from. That's my favorite player. And then my T-ball team, because my dad was the coach, uh, I got to name the team. We were the Winston Braves. <laughs> and, and, and from that moment on, I was the Braves fan. Now, here's why here, – let me make the case as to why I'm not a bandwagon fan. Because we're here for I it. Was, I was five, six, seven when I was a, you know, a, a Braves fan. We, like in 1988, we would take summer vacation trips down to Candlestick Park, sit in freezing cold Candlestick Park, uh, and, and watch the Atlanta Braves. Pounce, they stunk. They were bad. <laughs> they were terrible. So, you, so, so essentially you're saying you were there during the hard times. Exactly. And then when I was 12 in 1991, they went to the World Series. They lost heartbreaker game seven to the Minnesota Twins. I cried. That was the last time I cried at a sporting event. Um, and, and we're in the playoffs pretty much every year since then. So I would say if I became a fan of the Braves in 1992, when I was in middle school, mm. I'd be like, yeah, bandwagon. Gotcha. Absolutely. But I was a fan in 85, 86 with guys like Oda B. McDowell and Glenn Hubbard and Gerald Perry, guys you've never heard of because they never. stunk. Well, they stunk, and they stunk, and I wasn't born until 93 when you technically would have been a bandwagon fan. <laughs> so uh, so I, I don't consider myself a bandwagon fan. It was, it, it's, it's hard to explain to like guys like you who grew up with, you, you, you always had the internet, you know? The, the internet yeah. was always around. If, if anything, you always had ESPN, and you Facts. always had base, baseball games on cable TV. The only games we could watch were the Cubs. The Cubs were on WGN and the Braves were on TBS. And and I became a Braves fan because of Dale Murphy. All right, I'll give you I'll give you your props. You're not a bandwagon fan, but you know you had to clear that first before you could just come over here, you know, just bragging left and right about the fact that you're now World Series champions. But how does it make you feel, man? You're a champion, and are you going to go to the parade? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not, not, not going to the parade. Uh, I'm going to fly out to Atlanta, but I am definitely going to going to watch it. Um, I, I, technology is so great. Like I have a really good friend who is a who is an afternoon host in in Atlanta, and like I can listen to like sports talk in Atlanta on my phone. I've been listening to like shows over there. Uh, it's it. How does it feel? It's 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 kind of it's kind of weird because. There's the elation, right? You get the this initial elation. Never thought it was going to happen. Now they won it in '95 when I was 16, right? And and that was great. I was in high school, and then they were in the playoffs. You figure it's now this is a dynasty, right? They won it in '95. They they were in the World Series in '96. They're in the World Series in '99. Like this is a dynasty. They're eventually gonna no. They didn't win a thing. <laughs> they got to the playoffs. They got to the playoffs every single year. They lost and ended up, uh, you know, on a world championship drought from 1995 on. So it, it it was like it was great, but I had this like the whole time watching the playoffs and impending doom that something bad. Yeah, I didn't really enjoy it, but that's okay. The the moment when the last out was made, I enjoyed it. But did you see? I had this feeling. 
this is all going to fall apart. Like, it's, yeah, like I can't even, I can't let myself believe that good things are going to happen because it's all going to fall apart. You, you were traumatized. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then like, but then the weird thing is it's like, then it's just, it's over. It's like, Oh, okay. Like it's over. Like the people in Atlanta and, and good for them, they get to go to the parade, get to celebrate, you know, be at sports bars full of people, you know, and, and, out on the streets whereas like here i am in portland and like my i'm texting my my two other you know my brother who's a braves fan and my best friend and you know we're texting back and forth other than that it's like oh so now now it's just over okay yeah it's a wrap it's a wrap I can't ask you the easy stuff without asking you the hard stuff. And obviously, you're my friend. We've done shows together. So I know that there's really no limitations to what we can ask each other because the relationship is strong, right? Absolutely. Look, you you know this. I am an open book. I have nothing left to hide. I have- <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So what I-, I cannot be anybody else but myself. Absolutely. So what I want to ask about is the tomahawk chop and where you stand on that when it comes to your favorite baseball team that just won the World Series? Yeah, I mean, that, it, it's a tough one. I'll be honest. It's, it's a tough one because it, I'd be lying if I, tell, if I told you it, it, look, it looks cool. The entire stadium doing the same thing in unison with the, the, you know, the chant and everything else, it, it looks and sounds really cool of one stadium all in one. Now, on the other side of that, can't deny, you know, everything that comes along with it, right? With, with all of the baggage. So, I'm not, I'm, I don't think I'm the one to decide whether or not it's right or it's wrong. I think that's for Native Americans. I think specifically Native Americans in the Southeast. Uh, um, I will say this, though. Telling people not to do something... I don't think is a good way or, or, the, or is a way to get them to stop doing it. You know what I mean? Mm. I, I think, I think, I think we can all, and this is why you and I, I've loved our conversations. I loved our talks when we did, you know, we should, you Ebony know, and ivory, baby, Ebony, Ebony and ivory we were way ahead of our time on that. Yes, we were. Let's, let's just talk about it. Right. Let's just, let's talk about it and let's have a discussion and let's have a dialogue. But instead it, it turned into, no, this is my way. I want to do it. And it's, you know, I don't think it's hurting anybody. And then another group of people who it, it's not offending is, but is standing up for another, it, it, it has become, you know, a big, you know, it's, it's your fault. It's your fault. Finger pointing, finger pointing, digging your heels in. And the thing that it kind of frustrates me is like, nobody learns. Like nobody yeah. learns, right? Yeah. Standing on, sitting there and being stubborn about how you know whether it's doing the chop, whether it's you know, uh, you know the, the the Washington football team, the name that it had before, you know, standing there being stubborn and saying no, this is fine. Doesn't nobody learns? Everybody sits there and 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 is just stuck. stuck it's in stuck in their own also, ways. But the, but also pounce. Don't you think like? People standing on a pedestal looking down on people saying, you are wrong for doing it and you shouldn't be doing it and you should be shamed for it. I don't think that helps anything either. I think I, that just put, I think it digs us in deeper. It solidifies the things that divide us, which drives me nuts because uh, I, I firmly believe there's always far more things that we have in common. And I, I would rather sit and have a dialogue and talk about it. So in that spirit, what, what do you think? See, I'm a fan. I'm biased. 
No, I, I hear you. I, 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 I and, and so you are not a fan. You're neutral. What do you think? Well, I think in terms of like what you said about the pedestal in particular is people also have to realize who actually is on a pedestal and who's not. And I think that goes into sort of the learning element that you speak of, because a lot of people who are anti not letting go of the chop like and and who kind of are stuck in that old fixated old timey tradition that that has come with Atlanta Braves baseball they're probably the ones in a lot of aspects of life who have a little bit more privilege and actually have a pedestal where a lot of the people who probably the offend who are probably the offended party which is you know native americans you spoke to the southeastern native americans as well they actually don't really have a pedestal in a lot of ways because they're um, underprivileged in comparison to what it is that they're fighting against. So I think that is a significant part to even being willing to learn is to understand where you stand in, as an individual and then yeah. being and then being able to go from there and deciding whether you want to be a fan of the team, whether you want to advocate against it, whether you want to even advocate for it, whatever the case may be. I'm not telling folks where to stand. Obviously, I, I don't so much stand with it, but I do think really understanding and learning the privilege you may or may not have is actually significant to you even being able and willing to open your mind and be willing to learn why this may or may not be a good thing. So that's where I think, you know, folks have to kind of put their pride to the side and and, and put their ego away and just kind of sit with themselves first and foremost before they can even take on this larger conversation that obviously is bigger than them. Well, and here's the other thing, though, that I I get frustrated with, and this is not me sticking up for the tomahawk chop, far be it for me. If it... You know, I can go. I can go to a Braves game. I can enjoy myself and and not and, and not do the, the tomahawk chop. Right. Here's the thing that, that I get frustrated with, Bounce, is that is this the way to better uplift Native American community? Fighting about people waving their hand up and down, or do we maybe need to take a why? Why is this community disenfranchised? Why? Why is this community? stuck in poverty why why is there a gap financially in in terms of you know native american uh communities versus other communities or are we going to sit and fight over fans waving their hand up and down Since I, I, think, I, I think i think all there we can walk and chew gum at the same yeah time. That, that's what i was going to say we, i think we, you could do it all we, i we think it's all inclusive both, but I, and 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 if, if if the discussion and the debate leads to that i'm all for it thing is i don't i don't think the debate on this leads to that i just i I think what it leads to is stubbornness and fighting and virtue signaling and uh and sadly i don't know if it if it elevates the community that i think needs to be served well that's why we're here talking about it justin myers because because yeah yeah absolutely because like i said i do think that you know, it, it, like I said, for one, I think self-reflection matters in all of this and where you stand in this debate and why you stand where you stand in this debate. What's your passion for wanting to keep the tomahawk chop or what is it that you may not have cared about so much that wouldn't make you against the tomahawk chop? As you mentioned already, you being a Braves fan, 
it might not affect or impact you or or even your point of view in the same way that it would not even just a Native American person, but anybody of an oppressed group that understands masketry or caricatures and the effect and the impact that those types of things have had against more oppressed communities. So I think it, it, it all comes from sort of the lens of how you look at it based on what am I fixated on when it comes to this discussion that leads to me having the stance that I have? Because I think once you can identify that, it allows you to be able to try to kind of separate yourself from that and then put your shoes, I mean, put your feet in the other side of the of the game's shoes because a lot of people are so fixated on something and what they care about and what they're passionate about that they don't even realize it half the time. And that's why, and that's why these more important conversations that you speak of about, you know, the disenfranchisement and, you know, the economic gaps and all of those things, it's harder to have those conversations because people are so fixated on what it is that they're fixated on that they can't, they're blinded by it essentially. And they can't really, step back 30 feet or step back 30 yards or however far they need to step back from what it is that they're, that they're attached to, to be able to kind of try to, you know, wipe the blinders off a little bit, take some of the fog off the glasses and be able to see what the other side of the game is essentially, you know, trying to get across the point that's trying to be made from somebody that may not necessarily identify in the same way as you. Well, and here's if, if we really rip it down to the studs, right? And and we re, like if we're just honest, in which I'm, that's what I want. Let's just all be honest. I I think people who are are and, and by the way, I don't like that that this my baseball team has been adopted by certain people who are like you're not even a Braves fan, and you're like, oh, they should do the the chop because of the, like it, you just want to get into a fight. Right. Like you just want to argue, you just want to argue on Twitter. There's like 90% of these people, honestly, pals, they just want to argue. Facts. I'm, I'm, I hear you. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted from arguing, but here's what I think it really comes down to. I, I think one side, I think there is a group of people who really care about disenfranchised groups and, and want to bring awareness. But I do think there's a lot of people that want to feel good about themselves by pointing out the faults of others. Yeah. And on, yeah. The, on the others, on the other side of this, People, I don't think, want to do the tomahawk chop because it is uh, a, a, a celebration of Native culture. Pounce, they want to do it because it looks and sounds cool. Yeah. That's just it. Yeah. That's, that's, that's it. That's what it is. And I, I think anybody at this point being we're, – we're at a place where people don't talk enough. And when you tell people what to do, I think, I think that's a bad start. I think I think it's a bad start if you want to truly enact change. So what's a good start? What's a good start? Doing what you and I are doing right here. Let's 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 have a conversation. I like let, it. You know, let, let's sit down. Let's talk, let's put our weapons down. Right. Let's let's put our hashtags down. Let's not label people uh, racist or label people woke or, you know, let's just put our weapons down. and Let's just talk. Yeah, That's all I want to do. I hear you. I, I, think, I think more. I think we have way more way more good in us than bad. And I just, uh, that's, that's where I've kind of been on, on a lot of subjects. And also I'm just exhausted. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an exhausting time. It's four 30 in the morning. I'm tired, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you got morning, you got mornings too. You literally have a morning show. <laughs> so you, so you've got to wake up and talk about it. Yeah. Get the boogers out your eyes, Myers. <laughs> wake up and talk about it. 
How's the, how's the show going for you, by the way? I, I, I think the show is going great. I think uh, we're, we're in a really good spot right now. I mean, it's with, with you know Oregon football being in the top four, Oregon State, because uh, you know, we, we are, uh, you know, we're the Oregon State station. Uh, by the way, for people wondering, uh, uh, Rip City Radio, 620 Rip City Radio is where uh, I am six to nine each and every morning. So uh, I appreciate if you listen and maybe tell a friend. That'd be great. There you go. It. But, uh, you know, Oregon State, one game away from being bowl eligible, which I think is 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 on on a faster track. Oregon State basketball coming off an elite eight; they're about ready to start their season, and and then we got the Blazers, and and it's not been the the best. Yeah, it's not been so hot for them. <laughs> just, I think it just came out today. Like Dame's got an abdominal strain, which kind of makes sense when you watch the way he's been shooting and yeah. and watch the way he's been playing. It, it makes a little bit of sense, but. Um, I, I think Chauncey Billups is 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 a good change. Um, it, from a basketball perspective, I'm curious to see if this team can can kind of change their stripes, right? Yeah. Like I always say like, I, you Tiger can't change his stripes. We'll see if the Blazers, can, if the Blazer pinwheel can change their stripes and figure out how to play some defense, especially in like February and March. Yeah. Yeah, that's when it matters. That's when it matters most. But they're going to make it matter a whole lot more if they don't figure it out real soon in November and December. <laughs> October, November, I should say. Man. Yeah, they're not off to a good start. They're going <laughs> to – the significance of, of, of March and, and for February, March, is going to be so much greater for them because they're off to a slow start. The thing is, though, I mean, everybody's off to not everybody, but like, there's a lot of scorers in the league that yeah. are off to slow starts. And and as weird as it sounds, I'm almost relieved to hear that Dame's got an abdominal strain, right? Because it's not something like psychological. It's not like the hangover from the drama-filled summer that he had. It's the guy is hurt, but you look at it. James Harden's down. His numbers are down. Uh, He's, just numbers are down. He's just out of shape. He's just out of shape. But pounds, even out of shape, James Harden can still put up 35. That's a fact. (laughs) (laughs) That's especially with Kyrie not there. Even even when he was out of shape with Houston last year. But also, but also, but also, Justin, you got to consider that's prior to the rule changes. Out of shape, James Harden and James Harden and can't draw a foul whenever he wants to. That makes a difference. Dude, have you seen, like, he's, like, shooting half as many free throws. Yeah, he he's was, not shooting he hardly. Was like he was, like, the leader. He was, like, the lead leader and the, the league leader in free throw attempts, and now he's, like, not even ranked, if that's a like, thing. He was at, like, 10, 10 and a half free throws a game. Yeah. Five right now this year. Yeah. It's, it's a different world. It took a, you know, it took a weapon out of his arsenal. And, and by the way, Dame's dealing with the same thing. Yes, he free is. Throws are, free throws are way down. I, I think these guys are so such good players. They're going to make adjustments for sure. It's going to go back up. It's it's always an adjustment. But I I like the rule though. And as much as I love Dame, like you get a defender up in the air and you just jump into him and you get three free throws and you know do that weird like jacked up shot that Steph Curry does. It, it was not fun to watch. I hear you. I hear you. No, I like the rule change as well. I mean, I, I like it just for the overall physicality of the game. Um, you know, I, I like guys being able to play a little bit more physical and, and that adds to that. So I enjoy that aspect of things. But, yeah, I, I think, you know, hearing that Dame has an abdominal strain, I, I definitely think speaks to maybe um, 
his slow start shooting the basketball because obviously it's been very inefficient. So I, I think the the Blazers will figure it out. But like I said, they're making February and March a whole lot more important than it has to be with the start that they're off to right now because I also don't think they're a team that's just like, oh, yeah, we can kick it into gear whenever we want and we're just going to go out and win, especially because these young guys are getting good. They're, they're, oh, man. These young guys coming into the league, like they're not coming out of college anymore. They're coming from overseas. They're coming from the G League. Like they're getting good, and they're already a little a, a year or two ahead of where they should be at their age if they, you know, just go off based on what the traditional system has sort of been when it comes to the path to the NBA. These young guys are pros before they're pros in terms of being an NBA player in particular. I said this on the show back in the summer that I, I think this was a the, the frustration of the Blazers lost to Denver and and the fact that Dame kind of feels like the organization may not be on the same page as him and trying to win a championship. Obviously, those were factors in kind of his frustration and, and the uh, you know the drama of last summer. But the other part of it is exactly what you said, Pounce. Dame was always chasing LeBron, chasing Steph chasing Durant he was chasing these guys trying to get on their level all of a sudden he's looking behind him and there's Jaw, there's yeah. Luca, there's <laughs> Donovan Mitchell there's Devin Booker which by the way Devin Booker is funny because he's been playing the league seven years but everybody thinks he's like a second year player yeah. uh, but like but there's Devin Booker there's like all like you like all those guys, Trey Young, all yeah. those guys you talked about. It's like Dame's sitting there, like, wait, wait, I've been fighting and scratching and clawing just to try to chase down LeBron and Steph and and Durant. And now I look behind me, and and here comes you know Jamal Murray. And even though you know Jamal Murray was hurt, but like here comes Jamal Murray. Here comes you know Devin Booker. Here comes Donovan Mitchell. Now I got to deal with, with all these guys. You know, and, and, and you, you can't know. and you can't sleep on a Lamelo Ball or an Anthony Edwards. No, these young like, dudes, you can't just roll the ball out and beat them anymore. Like these young dudes can beat you on any given night. Well, I, and I think Lamelo Ball proved that. <laughs> yeah, he sure did, didn't he? <laughs> but but yeah, I think but to me that's that's where. Dame's massive amount of frustration had to be like it, the windows is, is closing just in terms of, of the amount of basketball you have in your legs. You know what I mean? But then on top of that, it's like, and how many other dudes do I have to compete with now? Yeah. Like, and, and, and also, I mean, think about it. Like the Blazers, it was always like, all right, we're making progress. We're making progress. Maybe we'll step back, making progress. The Suns, the Suns pounce made one move and got to the NBA finals. The Suns were out of the playoffs for the, what, the last seven years? Yeah, it's before, been a while. Before last year, they bring in Chris Paul and, uh, you know, a couple of change, draft DeAndre Aiden, make some changes, and all of a sudden they're in the finals. Yeah, they're and, a couple and, games and away from being Dame, champs. And if you're Dane, you're like, wait, wait a minute. Wait, yeah. I thought this was, I thought there was a process here. And then the, the Suns just skipped the line. And so it's easy to understand his frustration. But I do, I do like the fact that he stayed with Portland. I do like the fact that that he 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 uh, he spurned the offer of your your precious LeBron James. LeBron James trying to steal stars left and right, inviting him to his lair. I'm a Kobe and, guy. Uh, Don't do me like that, Justin. He's a, you're a <laughs> guy. You're a, you're a Laker guy. I'm a, I'm a Kobe guy. Now Steph. <laughs> 
are I've told my bandwagon story a million times on this podcast, <laughs> Justin. <laughs> so, yeah, let me, like, if you're, okay, what, if you're the commissioner of basketball, uh, look, I'm biased because I love Dame and I love the Blazers. And I, 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 I don't hide my bias. But if you're the commissioner of basketball, if you're Adam Silver, and you, you obviously, look, player empowerment, I think, was good. I think there was way too much uh, power in the hands of management. I like the players kind of took some of the powers back. But now you've got LeBron James, who I, I think is – and I don't like LeBron James, but I think he's the second greatest basketball player of all time. And he's he's openly recruiting a small market superstar, like bringing him to his lair in Brentwood with, with Rosé and pasta. <laughs> why, like, why He's whining and dining, Dame Lillard. Like, if you're the commissioner of the league, that's going to drive you crazy. You, nah. You can't, you can't have small market teams losing their players to, like, you know, to, to recruitment from other superstars. It's not good for the league. You, you you sound like you come from an old era of basketball, Justin. It's a I new do. day. It's a new I day. It's a such thing called player empowerment, my friend. This is, Adam, I, this is Adam Silver we're talking about here, not David Stern. I, I Listen. I understand. And like I said, player empowerment was good, but like everything, there's no free lunch in this world. No free lunch in this world. Everything has consequences, intended or otherwise. And and player empowerment. Dude, when you get when you get Bradley Beal trying to force trades, or you have Ben Simmons saying trade me, I don't want to play. It's like, dude, you're good, but you're not that good. That I agree with. <laughs> and that's that I agree with. Consequences of player empowerment. It's I hear you. You're not just you didn't just empower Kevin Durant, who's maybe the greatest scorer of his generation. We got to so keep a healthy good. balance, though. You got to take the good with the bad. You know that. You even empowered Ben Simmons, who can't shoot. <laughs> like, well, I, I want out. Like, okay, great. You want out, but nobody wants you. <laughs> One last thing, Justin. One last thing before you leave, because I, I planned on you coming on for like five minutes to take a quick victory lap. But of course, it's Justin and Devon here. We can't help it. Dude, it's, it's not how it works. It's not how it works. This is not how it works, which is why I don't mind. I'm thoroughly enjoying this conversation. I'm glad to be catching up with my friend. But I got to ask you about your experience in Canton. For those that don't know, Justin Myers and Troy Palomalu are best friends. Troy Palomalu just this summer got inducted into the Hall of Fame and you were invited to Canton and you got to you got to take it all in. Hey, man, I need a uh, I need a play by play of your Canton experience. All right. Uh, first thing, uh, if, if, if you ever get a chance, if you are a football fan, if you're a pro football fan, go to the Hall of Fame. It, it, like I was you know, I went because of my friend, but I was like, it's the middle of Ohio. Um, it, you know, okay. What, like, no, the hall of fame is cool. Hall of fame weekend is unbelievable. Uh, just a celebration of pro football, which I, I would highly recommend if you can go, go, but let me tell you pounce. Uh, I, I am like, I will never have a party. Like I partied that night ever again in my life. <laughs> right, so I'm just going to warn you for the next couple of minutes. I'll do a little bit of name drop in here, but like, but there were five Steelers that weekend inducted into the hall of fame. One of which was Bill Cowher, the former coach yeah. who's on CBS, who's on CBS NFL and CBS's uh, pregame show. So all of the NFL and CBS guys were there. Mm. A lot of former players were there. Uh, a lot of former coaches were there. So we were not only invited to the hall of fame ceremony, but got invited to the Steelers after party. Ooh. And, and talk about I'm, it. I'm sitting there with Dan Marino. Like I'm at the bar, wow! You know, 
ordering a Coors Light next to Dan Marino. Uh, and That's dope. Boomer Esiason, Nate Burleson, um, you know. And, and it, here's what's really funny because, all, like, all the CBS sports guys were there. We're, I'm sitting in my row at the ceremony, and uh, my fiance is like, she looks down, she's like, who is that in our row? Like, I know that guy. Like, I know him from somewhere on TV. I know him. And I look at it's Wally Zerbiak. He works for CBS, you know, like for college basketball at CBS. Yeah, I'm and like, what is, what is, what is, what is sharpshooting Wally Zerbiak doing at the NFL <laughs> Hall of Fame? So, so yeah, so the, uh, so the after, look, I've been very lucky to, like, I've been in some pretty cool parties, you know, covering Oregon when they played the national championship. Uh, you know, I covered the Seahawks when they won the NFC championship, went to the Super Bowl. I've been some pretty cool media parties. Right. Uh, Oregon, the Final Four. Uh, I've been up in the club with you, with an NBA player. The That's show a fact. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah we, won't, we won't put that out there. But, but we partied hard <laughs> with some NBA players before. <laughs> you know, I hit the VIP one night. <laughs> but I'm telling you, man, I'm never going to have a party like that ever again. Never going to happen ever again. It was, it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. That that's and yeah. Go ahead. I'm loving this. Just like just 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 to see like like all of like those football legends that come back every single summer just to to celebrate the game, to celebrate the accomplishments. And it was it, it was an unbelievable weekend. It's one just seeing my best friend going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's not that's priceless. That's absolutely priceless. Uh, you know, great speech, um, and, and just, you know, seeing the, the, the bust and everything else. And then like the after party and the, you know, the rubbing elbows with some of the greatest football players of all time, real quick story. Cause I, I, I'll, I'll condense it. Don't, don't worry. Don't worry about it. We're already going to title the episode to Justin Myers takeover. <laughs> <laughs> it's already, yeah. we, we already got a title for this episode. You, you gave it to us. It's called the Justin Myers takeover. Let it fly. <laughs> So there was a snafu with our tickets. So we get there, and there's a little snafu with our tickets. Okay, so we have to like, you know, uh, I, and I got a name drop, and I'm like, I'm on for Paul Amala's list. Like, we, I, I, I need my tickets because nobody could find them. And so we get kind of ushered through a side door, and they take us in the Hall of Fame, and they're gonna take us because our tickets got lost. They're gonna escort us to our seats and and get us the wristband we need. So the door that we go through, we walk into this room, and I instantly go like, we, I'm not supposed to be in this room. And, and I'm looking around. Pounce, it's the green room with all of the existing Hall of Fame members. Whoa. There for the ceremony. They're all going to get John Elway, Emmett Smith. Uh, wow. You know, just like, like in the Dan Marie, all of these former Hall of – or not former, but current Hall of Famers. And so we get rushed through there. And, and through the side door and then come out and there's like hundreds of fans just waiting to like take John Elway's picture and the door opens and everybody cheers and it's me. It was Justin Elway. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they were waiting for Evan Smith to walk through the door and it's like, no, it's just me. <laughs> That's a good way to close it off. Justin, let's connect soon, man. You know what it is. Uh, yeah. And, hey, by the way, uh, you can keep this in the podcast or you can edit it out. Um, tomorrow morning, I got I got an 8.20 a.m. spot. If you want it, you want to come on the Rip City Mornings, we can chop it up on the air. I'll be there. Count me in. All right. All righty. See you, see you, talk to you in the morning. All right, buddy. All right, brother.
Well, there you have it. Yo, that was hard as fuck. <laughs> Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me, let, me, let me zone back in here. Yeah. That was tight because that was just like listening to the pot, like Justin and Devon show. I, I mean, you don't even know. At one point, I felt like I was high on mushrooms. I wanted to jump in hella bad, dude. No, dude, I wanted to jump in hella bad. But you know what I'm saying? It's like like watching somebody play music on stage. I'm like, oh, I want to get in there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I felt like I waited too long because, like you said, I thought it was only going to be a couple of minutes. So I was like, oh, I'll just let them have their conversation. I'll jump back in. But then it gets to that point where I'm like, well, I'm not just going to blindside a motherfucker who's thinking that he's having a Yeah, he's just having a one-on-one. Yeah, I'm right. like. <laughs> right, right, I totally right. didn't expect that. Like, but I will definitely yo, be on Justin's show tomorrow morning that's that was, my guy uh, man that was a good that was a good time for me man. <laughs> shit that's the show you don't need mine i know <laughs> right like i Damn. said we're supposed to talk about henry ruggs yeah. aaron Rodgers, and we just yeah <laughs> yeah but that's 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 me and justin you know, man and that's good man i'm glad that you know that's the that's the capacity that you have because some days you're gonna have slow weeks or whatever which you know not to minimize the the rug situation or the Rodgers situation no no for sure by any stretch of the imagination but sometimes you're gonna have to pull rabbits out of hats, and that that that's what that looked like to me. That was awesome, man. Like, yeah, was, uh, I can comment on it now because he knew it was gonna be on a live airwave at some point in time. So for sure, for it's sure, up for grabs now. Yeah, that was hard. That that was a good. Uh, that was cool. Like yeah, said, no, that's that's my guy, man. Justin and I, and like I said, it was so cool because like. Obviously, my first ever show that I did on air was with Justin, the right. Justin and Devon show. And I didn't know Justin from a can of paint. Right. Never met him, yeah. didn't know him. So we're both coming into this situation blindly because yeah. his show. How old were you when you did that? What was that? Like 23. I was like 23, 24. <laughs> like, yeah. Who the fuck is this 23 year old? Yeah, he's like 14 he's years older like, than I am. You got to be fucking. Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> Like, what did I do wrong? Yeah, that's really what it was. Me. That's really yeah. what it was, was like he had no idea you what he was getting himself that. into. Even now, you and, like, you're, yeah. and that's why I didn't feel bad, because like the first time he and I sat down and met, because it's like, well, here we are. We got to do this show do together. It. I'm obviously super excited. I'm 23 years old. I'm in a top 25 media market, and I'm getting ready to be able to ready host to a full-time show. And it, like like that opportunity is not common. It's just not a common opportunity. But for him, he's been in bigger markets than Portland. He's been doing radio for 15 years up to that point. So he's like, I've got this young dude that's never done a radio show before, and I expect to have success with this guy. Like, I don't even know what he brings to the table. This kid doesn't even have a resume, essentially. Right. Like, I did internships and stuff like that, went to school, did on-campus radio. But in terms of, like I said, being able to be on a top 25 full-time radio show like that's just not common Dude, at that off, young the, of an the, age the volume of that is intimidating and also like you know people that don't do stuff in front of microphones at that often you yeah know, it's very intimidating in a it's lot tough. of ways to it's just not easy in front of a mic like even right there like i talk on microphones my entire life and and it's all good to just talk sports but even sitting there with justin for a second i was like man this motherfucker has done this thing way more than i have so i felt you know a little bit of trepidation there i'm not gonna lie no yeah you know i, I'm I not mean lie. i i had to to learn like clearly you see justin can talk yeah <laughs> like like clearly just from that right there like i said that was probably like how long was that zeb i don't even know Shh. what the time stamp where are we at right now <laughs> 40 minutes 
Yeah, the good solid 30 minutes. I only expected it to be five. I hit him up yeah. earlier today. I said, Justin, I'm going to call you live on the podcast <laughs> so you can take your yeah, Atlanta yeah, Braves time. victory lap. It turned into the Braves. It turned into the Tomahawk Chop. It turned yeah. into the Blazers in the NBA Shit, to man. Canton to you know, sitting and having a Coors Light with Dan Marino. Like, yeah. that's what it yeah, is, it though. Went, it went there. <laughs> it went there. <laughs> and now I'll be on his show tomorrow morning at 820. Oh, that's tough. That's how it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to check that out tomorrow, man. What do you say? Uh, what did you do? Uh, six to nine. Six to nine. Six to nine. So, I, so I'll be on for his eight twenty segment. 820. But yeah, yeah, he's right, six bet. to nine. Rip City out. Radio, man. Yeah, I'm like, home of the Blazers, home of Oregon State. Like yeah. that's you know one of the one of the prime time radio stations here, radio, sports man. radio stations here. So I'm glad that he's still able to do radio. Obviously, like. We know he and I's experience and how we got let go of, and a lot of it not because of our own doing or, if at all, our own doing. Like, we actually were doing good as a show. We were doing better than expected. We exceeded expectations. It was a good show, It was man. a great show. It had a great, you know, dualism thing going on there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I agree 100%. That's what needs to be... You know, that's what needs to be presented. That's the format and that's the the discourse that needs to be presented. Absolutely. You know, two opposing in, in, in some you know ways, views on a situation and really worked out. I mean, and no feelings were were involved. No, they were involved. No. Excuse well, me. Like no. well, he can no let he can say how involved, he, but they're not hurt. You they're know? not hurt. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not towards each other. I should it, say because if you we have we were passionate about, about the topics and we felt passionate. the way we were emotional and that's passionate about the topics, but never towards each other. Dude, that's the thing, and that's the problem, man. Is like people they mistake getting emotional or like getting like passionate for like you know being aggressive or like oh you're coming at me and you're trying to like weaponize those emotions yeah. like against me right and it's like you know and unfortunately a lot of people for real they do that a lot of people for real do that because of you know whatever they feel crappy about themselves and they you know like justin was saying you know it's a, i guess a less than eloquent way of putting it but you know yeah try no to make and, other people and, and, feel and, shitty because they've and that's better. and that's where I, you know I and that's where I said you know I think people have to first of all understand the pedestal that they may be on and I think that's something that Justin right. is aware of like on a personal level him him himself because obviously I know Justin pretty good we've had a lot of interactions together I mean I worked with the guy we did a three hour show five days a week for about a half a year so we were like we were in this studio just like this every single day and that was our livelihood and we've been close ever since obviously he's been on this podcast several times before and we've been pretty close ever since but no man it's like we were able to have those conversations and you gotta understand like we were not in the most friendly environment in that regard obviously we've talked about the Dino Costa stuff here also you gotta understand every morning before Justin and I'm just gonna name drop because People locally in Portland and people nationally, if like you're really into politics, know who he is. But every morning, Justin and I had to debate with Lars Larson, who's like one of the top conservative radio hosts in the country. Obviously, he's based out of here in Portland in the Pacific Northwest. He's had, he has like a Northwest show and then he has a nationally syndicated show in damn near 100 different cities across the country. But every morning. We work for the same company as Lars Larson and our shows started at about the same time. So Lars would come to Justin and I's cubicle and we had a producer by the name of Alex Moore. And this is this is 2017. So this is Kaepernick, prime Kaepernick 
is the topic of conversation all the time. <laughs> so where Lars is just coming and just poking at us, yeah, giving all of his conservative, developing. he's just giving all Damn. of us, he's giving us all of his conservative view, viewpoints of anything that had to deal with that sort of sports and politics intersection. And that was how we kind of warmed up for the show. So by the time Justin and I, Justin and I got on the airwaves, up. we were already charged <laughs> up. <laughs> we were charged up. Like, I, say what you will. Me, me and Lars, Lars, Carson agree on pretty much nothing. But one thing I will say is, for one, he gave me thicker skin as a young dude in the industry because, like, I'm having a debate with a guy who's like who's a powerhouse in the radio industry, yeah, regardless that. of his viewpoint. Yeah. Lars Larson is a national powerhouse. Like, like I remember times, because obviously this is when Trump is in office, they do like radio row at the White House. And and one of the one of the most memorable times I had with Lars, I'm actually recording this very podcast in the earlier years of me recording the Wake Up and Win podcast. And I hadn't seen Lars in a few days because Lars had gotten an invitation from Trump to go to Radio Row and interview Trump with whichever other conservative radio hosts were able to interview Trump at the White House. And so he comes back, he comes back into the office or into the studios and I'm recording my podcast and he comes into my studio like, hey man, how's it going? I'm like, oh man, everything's good. How's it going with you? I know you just got back from the White House and, and you know, how did that go? Oh man, it went great. It's interesting because I hadn't been invited to do Radio Row in eight years. Obviously, because oh, Obama man. was president. Hey, man, wait to come and tell you that. <laughs> that was Lars Larson. <laughs> Dude. And, and, and like oh, I said, I don't even God. care about telling this story on this podcast because if you listen to his radio show, he wouldn't care about me telling this story either. But literally, I'm asking. He knows I don't fool with Trump, and he knows I halfway don't fool with him. At least when it comes to our POVs in particular, yeah. and. You're like, oh, you know, hey, I'm glad you're Georgia White House. You're yeah. Like, fuck yeah but, my... but he literally, like, instead of telling me about his interview with Trump, he and he immediately went to, oh, yeah, it's, it yeah. was fun. I haven't been to the White House in 80 years because Obama never invited me. Like, that's that's Lars Larson for you, Jeez. ladies and gentlemen, who are not aware of who Lars Larson is. Yeah. So we had a we had an insane time. Like, like I've done and experienced some things in my career that half the time I, I'm always so steadfast in the work half the time I don't even remember it but until moments like that happen when Justin comes on the podcast and we get to talk and it that. just and gives me all another, kind of flashbacks and you're about to be on the radio tomorrow tomorrow morning the, I'll be there the, the saga continues man. It's, it's, we gotta have it we gotta have it so that, that'll be cool that'll be pretty fun but um I mean it's the Raider that? podcast though man let's talk about Henry Ruggs okay I, obviously Everybody know it took place with Henry Ruggs. Everybody know that knows that the same way Justin is a diehard Braves fan, I'm a diehard Raiders fan. And obviously, you know, I've been on a Raider high this year because we're doing great. We got a 5 and 2 record and it's looking like we're going to have success this year, especially post all that John Gruden stuff. We won both of our games since John Gruden has been removed as coach. Lost a couple of games leading up to him being removed yeah. as coach, and, and I, I don't know because I don't have, like, inside information, but I feel like the word was already spread within the locker room during that time prior to it actually being published in the Wall Street Journal and then ultimately being published in the New York Times. 
And I think that kind of led to some murkiness in the locker room, which led to the two back-to-back losses that we had this year. But since he's been gone, things have been looking right up again. And a huge part of that has been our deep threat, a young man by the name of Henry Ruggs. And Henry Ruggs, so sadly and unfortunately, was drunk driving in Las Vegas on, was that Monday night? Sunday night, Monday morning, one of those. And like 3 a.m. type stuff. And he was driving, I think, like a hundred upwards of 150 miles. Uh, I he was think driving the upwards of a, 156. Yeah, he was driving upwards of 150 miles, and he killed. I think she was a 23 year old woman. Sorry, I don't Tina, have it pulled up right Tina now. Tina Tintor. Tina Tintor. She was yeah. 23 years old. Her dog was in the vehicle as yeah. well when he rammed Rest into in the back of there. Tina Tintor. That, that Absolutely. Awful. That, I didn't know how. I didn't know the specifics until I read the article. She was young. She had a, her and her dog both died. Yeah. After this. After after this car crash, it's hard to even call it an accident just because of the way things happen. But ultimately, you know, I can easily come on here and I think many people have come out and criticized Henry Ruggs because he made a, a, a massive mistake. He made a massive mistake. But you're not getting any hot takes out of me on this one. Nobody wins in this situation. Obviously, I want to start and, and give precedence to to you know, the the victim, because this is a crime. It's a DUI. He's going to get charged with, with DUI. He's going to get charged probably vehicular with, with manslaughter. vehicular manslaughter. There's a lot of, there's a lot of charges that he's going to get charged with. The DA's so thinking about bringing she, a gun charge on Bringing him a gun charge. He had a, he had a gun in a, the... in a vehicle. So, I mean, there, there's no way around the fact that he committed a crime. He killed somebody and to the victim, Obviously, you feel absolutely awful. You you want to send your condolences to her family. And if her family is spiteful towards Henry Ruggs because of what he did to their family member, it's hard not to understand that, especially being <laughs> that she was so young and just the way that things played out. Like, it's hard not to understand that. But for me and where I stand, nobody wins in the situation. Henry, Henry Ruggs is a young guy himself. He He's not... 22 years old. 22 years old. He's 22 years old. He's in Las Vegas. Anybody's been to Las Vegas knows how Las Vegas can get. And I don't think there was anything intentional about what he did. He was just reckless. And he made a reckless mistake. And he's going to have to deal with the consequences of that. Obviously, on a smaller scale, he's already been waived by the team. And... On a larger scale, he's gotta he's gotta face some 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 pro- potentially face some jail time, some yeah, pretty he, significant jail he time. He will face jail time for sure. When you kill somebody with your vehicle, you go to jail for right. some amount of time. So you know, um, I, obviously, you know, I, I I can't speak to you know how much money he does or doesn't have. That's one of the things that's kind of irking me. Is everybody? Oh, he's got all this money. He's a professional athlete. He should have took an Uber, but. I, I don't think this was yeah, something yeah. that had to do with money. This was yeah, a young guy he, he who made a big money, mistake. He has a nice car. He, he, he has no, a nice car, well, exactly. It's he's, like he's a young guy who ex- made a massive mistake. It, it happens. There's plenty of people who have gotten DUIs that just fortunately didn't kill anybody in the process of getting a DUI. But to act like taking that risk isn't common, Well, it uh, is, no, for unfortunately. Sure. For it, sure. Unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, so the, and the implications of of what it means for his career, quote unquote, and you know all of that stuff. To me, it's erroneous at this point because you know a young woman died, and I think I, I think I think uh, to sort of piggyback off what you were saying, like I agree to a certain extent that 
yeah, people drive drunk and they do it not recklessly so that you can't like I don't think condemn somebody to the Some people do it some people that. do it recklessly and they just I think they the just most egregious we're thing fortunate is not the to kill anybody. driving, bro. Is the reckless driving whether you were drunk or not? I think to me the most egregious thing because that is something that everybody does. If they get behind a yeah. wheel, nobody is is innocent of getting pissed off or speeding through. Yeah, or, you know what I'm saying. We all do that. And I like, hear you. And bro, and and straight up, it's so funny that this story come up because I was just um, earlier today just having some conversation with a few friends over there on Alberta, and I've just been hearing the last couple of days, at least as it pertains to Portland, like. We have a major issue in Portland kind of low-key cropping up in terms of people speeding, street racing. I've heard two separate stories today of people – one person died from a car accident on Powell. And yeah. Then, and then my friend saw that, and another woman said, oh, I got hit by a car at the uh, uh, parking lot of the hospital, and a guy just drove off. It just wasn't like a major yeah. – and, like, it. Just, I just think about that, and I'm just like, man, you know, like – it's just the you're driving you know it's just you're driving a vehicle that is a weapon and if you yeah. don't think about it that one little moment you can absolutely wreck somebody and police aren't responding and ambulances are finding it harder to respond so maybe just a good thing to think about going forward at least for me is just to slow down yeah <laughs> yeah know? Yeah, I, I agree. That sounds even like more so, a, you know, even I mean? more so than the drunk drunk wanna... driving. And I want to be clear that yeah. I wasn't advocating for yeah. drunk driving, but I, I know I we know. all know somebody that's gotten a DUI before, and we still love them to death to this day. I'm I have not gotten a DUI, so <laughs> let me start there. But I know people that have, and I don't love them any less for it. I understand that they made a mistake. They've got to deal with their consequences of the DUI, obviously uh, on a systemic level um, and, and on a mental level, because how that systemic impact is going to affect their mental just all the ways that you've got to deal with the DUI like it's not an it easy sucks. thing to deal with it's not it, it does suck so I, but I'm just saying like I do think I, to your credit even more importantly than just driving drunk we've all driven reckless we've all driven past the speed limit we've all done some things that could have ended and resulted in what unfortunately resulted in Las Vegas with this Henry Rugg situation. Rest in peace to Tina Tintero. Rest in, absolutely, man. Absolutely. It's so sad. Like I said, nobody wins in this situation. And, well, do, and, you, do you agree with the, or, or where, do you, where do you think about the Derek Carr stuff uh, and what he said in response to um, if, if his nothing, support of, of his if, teammate? If nothing else, I feel that it's genuine because he's been consistent. And here's where he's been consistent. I felt a little bit of a type of way. Obviously, it's not his teammate, but it was his coach. And he had a close relationship with Groot. And I felt a little bit of a type of way because he sort of supported and, and stood up for Groot. But obviously, I'm the offended party when it comes to what it was that the hate that Gruden was spewing, especially being a black man, obviously Damari Smith being a black man as well. So it's easy for me to sit here and be like F Derek Carr because he supported a John Gruden who obviously I no longer support because I'm the offended I party. The quote was hate the sin, not the man, love the man. Or something, something to that extent. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that it's like, but, very, but very shallow, but, to me but personally, it, it but. does. It did in that situation. But where I, where I give him a little bit of credit is this is an entirely different situation with a black man, with a teammate of his and his message stayed the same. And I can respect that. 
I can respect that if you're just that forgiving and that loving of a dude, because again, nobody wins in this situation. And to be fair, nobody wins in the John Gruden situation either. If we want to look at it from that lens, I do think John Gruden had already won in a lot of ways based on certain privileges he's had, certain opportunities he's had, and so on and so forth. So I can get into those elements of the situation. But when you just take it to that particular situation, like, I don't feel like, do I think John Gruden got what he deserved? Sure. But I'm not happy that John Gruden got what he deserved because I wish that none of this would have happened at all. Same situation with Henry Ruggs. Whatever he's got coming towards him, he's going to have to deal with those consequences or or, or some of those consequences. Is he going to deserve those? I mean, sure, you can say yes based on the crime that was committed, but I'm not happy that he's going to have to face those particular consequences because I just wish it never happened. So, So with that being said, I do feel like Carr is consistent in terms of his viewpoint of of people and and human beings at large because his message pretty much stayed the same in two instances that were polar opposites. Obviously, all of it was unfortunate, but he didn't take a stance for John Gruden, who made, obviously, a a massive mistake. And even if you want to call it premeditated, because I don't know how much of a mistake I would call that, but either way, he viewed it as a mistake. And he's viewing this Henry Rugg situation as a mistake, and he's supporting both of those guys. I can respect that. Okay. All right. I can respect that. Whether I agree with it or not, or whether I'm trying to put that viewpoint on anybody sure. else, he's got to deal with that from, you know, <laughs> from it's, situation it, to situation. Yeah. But Derek, Derek Carr seems like a good dude. He seems like a good dude. And that's ultimately what I'm getting at. Yeah. It's like I'm thinking he, he's Honestly, good by people who obviously he's grown a close, close relationship with, which goes back to what I'm even saying about Henry Ruggs. Like, sure, can you yeah. sit here and, and trash him? Absolutely you can. But I'm not going to do that because his, his I don't think it's going to get me or anybody else anywhere. Him. You know his conscience, his conscience is going to do him the, for the rest of his life. His conscience and the system is going to do him so much further in than I ever could on yeah. this podcast. So I'm not going to just tack on to that for the sake of a click or a stream. That's just not the type of person I am with I the that. show. That's just not who I am in general. So, you know, that that's where I stand on it. Nobody won in the situation, but certainly, say her name one more time. Tina Tintor. Tina Tintor, rest in peace. Rest in peace, rest in peace. Like I said, I, I definitely do want to send condolences to her family who may never hear these condolences, but just putting it in the atmosphere or even on wax is good enough for me because this is the platform that I have. And I want her family to to know that, you know, they're supported because this, this was tragic. This was an absolute tragedy. So that's all I got on that situation. Like I said, I, I don't have a hot take for that. Nobody wins. It's a terrible situation. And, you know, everybody's got to deal with it, how they're going to have to deal with it. And, that's just where things stand. What do you think about this Aaron Rodgers situation? I, I think it's pretty interesting. <laughs> I, man, you know what I think about the situation. They let the man slide because he's Aaron Rodgers. A lot of yeah. flip-flopping and a lot of you know two-facing going on around here. And as far as I'm concerned, man, it's like it just – you know, if you're gonna if you're playing high stakes like that, I mean, just in the world, you know, just get the fucking vaccine and just move on. You know, I don't know why <laughs> this dude is sitting here playing with his pockets, playing with people's, you know, uh, uh, potentially getting sick. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Livelihoods. They were, they were talking health. He's impacting yes. health I mean, and, and livelihoods. And, and, and not on, just man. them getting sick, the people around them getting sick and as well. Not, and what? And, and I read through the article, and it's it's all bullshit. They're all just, oh yeah, he'll be back by the fourteenth, just in time for the Sunday game against Seattle. Don't you know? That's all that. In fact, one of the lines of the like the last paragraph of the article says, uh, the opening line of the paragraph is obviously the most important thing is Aaron Rodgers' health, and it's like, no, the fuck, it's not. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers' health is clearly not the most important thing. It wasn't the most important thing to him when he was thinking about whether or not he's going to decide to, you know, put himself at risk all through these protocols, whether you agree with them or not. The most important thing, health-wise, is everyone else that was, you know, yeah. unwillingly exposed to him while he was... <laughs> His exact quote was, yes, I have been immunized. immunized. And it's like, okay, you're trying to use, yeah, you know what I'm I saying, faulty like language to skate by the thing. That should have been a red flag right away. Absolutely. From anybody who's doing their journalistic due diligence. Absolutely. They should have immediately been like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean, dog? I agree. I agree. Right? We should have nipped that in the bud You're a long the time ago. Here. I hear you. It, 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 I agree. If you would have been in that press room, you would have been like, "No, hold on." Immunized. What does that Excuse mean? That's me. not. That's not vaccinated. Mr. Rogers. <laughs> Mr. Rogers. Especially are you and, in, and, Mr. Rogers? And listen. And listen. If this was twenty five, thirty years ago, I could see where that could have slipped through the cracks. Sure. But today, where we should be hyper, we should ago. be hyper aware of the, the 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 zeitgeist, as Jules Boykoff would say, the spirit of the times, where the the divisiveness, the 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 just the language, the propaganda, the propaganda, Dude, people the, use propaganda I mean, to their advantage. Look the, at the conspiracies, he, he tried just that, everything. He tried a move. <laughs> he tried a move. You know? The conspiracies, I you think, is the mean? word that I was looking for Aaron because, Rogers like, tried to do something slick. He tried one of those moves. Yeah, and, like, it almost worked for him. It almost worked. Like, he if, almost. If he didn't easy, test positive, it would have worked easy for him. That was. If the dude didn't text pos- test positive, we wouldn't have. And, and, and who knows? Maybe he would have gotten sick, and then it would he would have been asymptomatic. Got yep. someone else sick. Someone else. It would have added to the death add, count, yep. and you would have never known. You would have never known. And look how easy it almost was for him, bro. It almost was that easy. Oh man, this game is but, so sick. But, but guess what? Dude. But guess what? Viruses spread, baby. It caught right up to him, hey, and, so and that's bullshit, what it does. Bro. Absolutely. And so, like I said, and, I, I do feel like you and know look, and during the times that we're in right now, that should have been caught on too. The conversations that we're having yeah. during these times—it should be looked at the, immediately. The, yeah, it should have. It, it, I, I do believe it should have been combed through, and we should have found this out prior to him testing positive. Well, I to agree. coronavirus, I, you know, and and again, you know, people are just going to let it slide and let it go because they're going to because people want to watch football. They want to watch Aaron Rodgers yeah. play football. People want to watch Kyrie play basketball. Like you know, what I'm saying no one, well, well, no speaking- one on either side of the fence is in disagreement of that. They're like, bro, we want you to be healthy. We want you to be doing the right thing so you can play this game that we all love and whatever, right off into the what, sunset together. All what are your thoughts on the comparisons of the Aaron Rodgers situation and the Kyrie well, situation? Look, in particular, how the media has well, covered it. And obviously we've covered the Kyrie situation here and we've shared well, our the thoughts media's on, on it. time out for me right now, because they should, like I said, in that press room, they should have said, no, you need to clarify. And then as soon as he either tried to dance around that or whatever, if they were really about their protocol, I'm not saying I agree one way or the other with the full extent of the NFL COVID protocol or otherwise. Yeah. I'm just saying that if somebody would have called that out in the moment and then they would have done more research because he either would have A. Investigative. 
Or he would have out, out, You know what I'm saying Yeah That's They could have gotten Investigative Kyrie's situation And I appreciate what Jay Williams said to Stephen A Like You get it You're you're letting Basically Aaron Rodgers slide Even though Kyrie Was the one who was Very upfront And forthcoming The entire time Saying I'm not vaccinated And I'm not gonna be Around the team Although Kyrie Did but was slip he? up <laughs> no, he was No 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 I'm Yeah but, I hear but, you though but, bro, I do think look, the energy Has been but, different No and, and listen And it's it's going right back to what we were just talking about. It's the language. You have to pay attention to the language because the language is just as much viral as it is uh, as as COVID in the air. My the, question the is, people has and here's really can, why. You know what I'm saying? Though, bro? I, I hear what you're saying, but here's why. Like you know, with that whole situation, like I, I watched the I watched the Jay Williams Stephen A. I, I at least watched the clips. Yeah, I, I, seen I the, didn't well, watch. I saw the same. Clip. Yeah, yeah, I watched the clips on YouTube, and and people are giving Kyrie the credit for being like forthcoming and standing on his beliefs and all of this and all of that. But I think that was more of a location thing, and I've talked about this before. That more so had to do with the fact that Kyrie was in New York and New York had particular mandates okay. that he couldn't I'm escape. An, I'm, I'm okay. Okay, go ahead. Where's this going? I'm that he couldn't it. escape. I don't think Kyrie has been like the greatest necessarily in communicating. It, it took him no, a while to communicate his stance when he just went on Instagram Live the other day. Yeah, he's not after very already communicating. Uh, yeah, I, I've never gotten that from Kyrie, and I didn't quite get that from Kyrie in this situation. So while I do believe that the energies have been different and people are trying to like condemn Aaron Rodgers for essentially lying in this situation and I'm okay with that I don't I'm still not gonna just sit here and say oh Kyrie was this stand up guy because I don't think it no, had I'm as much saying, to him as much to do with nah, him I, I, and I'm not saying say. he I'm not saying he I isn't a stand up guy I'm saying the communication Kyrie. I'm not talking about you I'm talking okay. about the more so the Jay Williams situation okay. so just to be okay. clear right. the Jay Williams Stephen A the people that are the people that are offense that are essentially trying to defend Kyrie and turn him into like some kind of hero in the situation in comparison right. to that of Aaron Rodgers. That just yeah. hasn't quite been my take on it. Yeah. Like I said, I can see the different the difference in energies. So I can understand why people feel a type of way of maybe Stephen A's approach or anybody else's approach who's been hypercritical of Kyrie Irving, because people have indeed been hypercritical of Kyrie Irving. But I don't think that that's because. But I do think there was some legitimacy ultimately in people's in people being hypercritical of Kyrie Irving. And I think a yeah, lot of this came out because Kyrie Irving is in New York. I don't think Kyrie Irving would have said anything if he would have been in a market other than New York, San Francisco, and I think now LA that why? has why? particular why? mandates because he didn't say anything really in the first place. He never said anything. New York they like New York created mandates that didn't allow him to play. So you're saying that if Kyrie was in, I don't if, know if, what I'm saying, saying is Kyrie's in Wisconsin and it never comes up just like Aaron Rodgers that given the opportunity, Kyrie would have lied to the press's face and said, Oh yeah, sure. Or if, I don't, if he would have thought in his mind or he would have had more bandwidth, like say Aaron Rodgers, I'm not going to sit here. Slide. I'm not going to sit here and say he would have lied to the press's face, but based on his prior See, communication, I'm not going to sit here and call him just this super stand-up guy in the way that he communicated either because I don't think he's communicated the greatest he's not throughout this situation. He's never been an effective aren't. communicator to me. A lot of these me. guys aren't, man. Because that's not what they do. You know what? A lot of <laughs> he's a great aren't. basketball player. Yeah, a lot of people aren't effective communicators, man. And that's it just it requires sitting down. It's, 
having these conversations. I don't think a lot of these guys have these types of conversations. I think that they're in situations where they they, they think to themselves, "Well, this is how I want this to go down." Everyone around them going, "Okay, cool. Well, yeah. that's we'll figure out a way for that to work for you." Ultimately, you know, let's all work that out. And you just hear this, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Ultimately, what Luke. I'm saying is, I don't think Kyrie, I don't think Aaron Rodgers lying turns Kyrie into some type of hero. No, it, when no, it comes when it comes. No, I'm not speaking about you. That. I'm just generally speaking. Oh, I thought we were arguing. No, no, no. I'm not <laughs> arguing with you. I'm not arguing with you about this right all now. Right, all right, generally all right. speaking, gen- I actually agree with you in a lot of ways from the communication standpoint. But generally speaking, I do feel like people are, when it comes to comparing the two, especially the treat based upon the treatment that Kyrie Irving got, which like I said, I can acknowledge the energies may have felt a little bit different. But I don't think because Aaron Rodgers lied about the situation, that makes Kyrie Irving look like a stand-up guy and that he didn't deserve some of the criticisms that he's received over the past however many months leading up to today where he's still not vaccinated or I don't know maybe he's got his first shot who knows but even if he had the first shot I think he would be able to play but he's still not vaccinated and like I said, if it wasn't for a New York mandate, who knows if Kyrie yeah. Irving would or would not have know. done the same thing know. that Aaron Rodgers did. I we don't know. know. I don't know. I feel like Kyrie's just the type of person that, you know, if he had the opportunity to say you can not, you know, with not withhold this or withhold this information or tell people outright that you are against vaccinations. Kyrie might be the type of guy to go, oh no, I, I'm still against vaccinations. I want people to know my stance on the matter. But the I reason just, I don't but the reason I don't quite know that is because we've seen in the past where Kyrie Irving just stopped playing basketball and never communicated why. No, so yeah, so exactly. so it's like there, there's, there's there's other instances and in, other in examples Kyrie's of Kyrie situation. Irving not necessarily communicating. Yeah, and you know I thought when he so should weird. have been communicating because yeah. he had like contractual obligations. He's not good at it. He's, he's not good at and it, and he never has been yeah. to me. And that's he's what I'm saying is we're making it seem as if Kyrie did a great job at communicating his stance, regardless if you if you agree or disagree with Kyrie Irving. He has done such a great job no, no, at hasn't. least telling us where he stands, and he has. He hasn't really. No, he really hasn't. No, he, he hasn't. hasn't. But like, I didn't least, get that from this. Like I, I, I said, New York, New York communicated where things stood, which is sure. the reason why Kyrie Irving sure. still isn't playing basketball today, That's and he didn't point. have a choice but to talk about it. It's a great point. It's a great point. That's just that's just great how I felt about that comparison. Interesting. A little bit. Great point. That's not to we'll make never again. Know. We'll that's never know. We'll never know. And you know, but people great. are making it seem as if we know and we don't. And we'll never know too because both of these guys are going to play this season respectively and it's like there's nothing probably there's definitely dude well we know Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers is but for sure Kyrie, I mean, Kyrie uh, you'll see <laughs> because again he doesn't communicate well enough yeah. for me to even I, be able yeah. to sit here and say that we're gonna Ky- see Kyrie Irving he wants to play and basketball we, exactly outside of this I mean he, he did not. he did come out on that live and say that you know he wasn't done Bro, with I basketball that live. and he still loves basketball but my point is it took so much to be said about that situation and it took so much speculation just for him to be willing to even do the live when he could have nipped this whole conversation in the bud a long time ago and he didn't Mm -hmm. he didn't effective communication that's the word of the week it matters man it matters it matters it matters Jay-Z made it to the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, him and LL Cool J. I thought they were already, I would assume they were already there. No, nah, I think they weren't because I think it's like, a, well, LL Cool J may be more so, but I think it's it has to be like, you have to be 25 years removed 
from your first record to be able to be inducted in the, tw- ah, in the Rock and Roll Hall so of Fame. So they were like first ballot Hall of Fame. Jay-Z was, for yeah, sure. Yeah. I think it's been, I mean, LL, it's LL? been more than 25 yeah, years for LL, so he might not have been first ballot. But Hove, Jay-Z, uh, he was first ballot. ballot. Hall of Famer. <laughs> <laughs> first ballot, first Rock and Roll Hall, Hall of, of Famer. Famer. That's hard. <laughs> That's hard. I mean, I don't know. He might be the first rap artist to ever, you know, be able to claim such a brag. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, that was pretty dope. That's pretty, that's significant. (laughs) I mean, but two guys, well deserved. For sure. Well deserved. Well deserved. Two guys I still want to see do a versus as well. I'd be a LL and Jay Z. Not against each other, but I'm just saying, generally speaking, I want to see them do a versus. They both definitely should. Who, who do they, who do they do a versus against? Ah, man. Starting with LL. Ah, Run DMC, maybe? Uh, it's a group, though. I know. Makes it a little hard. I know. It does make it a little hard. But, I mean, you know, just these, these old school hip-hop verses have just become, like, celebrations of, you know, uh, the annals of certain hip-hop sounds. Like, the KRS-One, I mean, that was one of the more, you know, grand celebrations of hip-hop especially New York, you know, old school era hip hop that I've ever seen in my time. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what those old school ones are going to be. But Jay-Z is interesting because, I mean, he has spans into the generation of now even. You know, story uh, 444 you know who I think, a few years old. You know I mean, who I think? Five years old. You know who I think can go up against Jay-Z? Lil Wayne. Yeah. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne could. I think Lil he's got Wayne. A lot of he's stuff. got. He's got the hits. He won't win. But he won't, he's got a lot. Of he won't win, but he has the hits, one hundred percent. And he became a star when he was like fourteen. He was with the Hot Boys, so yeah. he's going to be able to bring out some of those Hot Boy records around the time when Jay Z hadn't been in the game for that long. Because he was so young when he got into it, so you've got like that's a good one, man. That's I like Lil one. Wayne Jay-Z to me. Lil Wayne's a good one, and for me, and for me to be fair, like Mac Dre on on a obviously a, a personal, sentimental, and a skillful level. There's a lot of bias why Mac Dre is my personal favorite rapper of all time. But if I do have to have a larger hip hop conversation, because I know Mac Dre was more of a regional superstar and an underground superstar in a lot of ways and a lot of respects as well. My dude was Lil Wayne. It was not Jay Z. I understand yeah, why. I, like, like I grew up on Jay Z too. Let, let's let's be clear. I respect anybody that says Jay Z is the goat. I'm not one that's probably going to challenge that. But the dude to me who was just always just he who who always wowed me was that of Lil Wayne because lyrically, metaphorically, there's been nobody better. I think in hip hop. You know, obviously with Jay-Z, he storytells very well and he can talk about more of the serious conscious stuff, but he also can give you a a feel-good record in in, in those, in in hip-hop terms. Huge arena records. Huge arena records. He could do it all. He's very versatile. But for me, Lil Wayne's wordplay, I don't know if there's ever been anybody greater in hip-hop than Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne From the mixtapes to the albums to the longevity to the... I don't want to use the word descendants, but for lack of a better term, to 
who he put on yeah, and, and what Drake. they rose. He birthed Drake. He birthed Nicki. Nicki Minaj. Like, what he was able to build and the empire he was able to build within the hip-hop sphere. Yeah, I mean, he's a legend. Wayne bro. is that dude, man. <laughs> That's a good one, though. I'm actually, I, I would be down to see that one. That one makes the most sense. People say Jay-Z and Eminem, but it's like, nah, I don't think the styles would match. I think Jay-Z and Lil Wayne would be hard. Yeah, it would be I think it would be hard. Yeah, it would. Like I said, with LL, maybe Busta Rhymes, because I, I, I want to see Busta Rhymes do one. I think LL is just a little bit before Busta Rhymes and they were just nah, sort but of Busta Rhymes was leader of the new school though which was early early 90s I still uh, well I, I mean it would be a good one I think Busta washes him though in, in, in no, a lot of ways no LL I don't no. know Busta's, I, I think I Busta's think God I'm gonna tell you why I disagree with it I think it's the I think it's the his features alone are just but I think monstrous. it's the I think it's the Fat Joe Ja Rule effect though I think because LL was a little bit more um because he he made softer music That's and music that was <laughs> I more was looking so for the word I yeah guess. yeah he, he he made music that was more targeted to the ladies ladies love people cool people don't recognize that like ll really was he was tough he was gritty he can perform he can rhyme he can battle he comes from he comes from that gritty hip-hop era as well and he would smack the shit out of you yeah like he's not (laughs) no he's not a soft dude like he is just as i don't want to use the word temperamental but he's just as aggressive of a figure as that of somebody like a Busta rhymes he just didn't necessarily make the music always that reflected that but he has that element to him, and then you tack that on with the music that he's able to make that can that can reach a demographic that Busta Rhymes maybe can't. <laughs> I don't know. Dude, did you? Hear LL the, is that dude? Did you hear the Rock's record? The rap that the Rock did. I with I, I I seen it, but I didn't take the time to listen <laughs> it to is it. Fucking corny. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny, man. Yeah, Check it out for dude. sure. Hey. How about it for Wake Up and Win, friend of the show, Wake Up and Win alum, Gary Payton is second. Did he's you see getting, him last I, he's night? He's getting off. My man. boy. He had a great little game, man. He balled out. Great little out. game. He yeah, balled out. Yeah, he looked like, he looked like Draymond Green. Yeah. A little bit. A guard version. Yeah, a guard version of Draymond Green. Well, he's a lockdown defender and yeah. always has been. Yeah. And I think and I think what, what's happening like for maybe GP2, Draymond Green, and, and obviously GP2 is my friend, he's my brother. He and I were AAU teammates. We've obviously talked about all of that stuff here on this podcast earlier this year. So you should still go back and listen to that episode because it was a great one. Um, it was just after he had won the Defensive Player of the Year for the G League yeah. and had just gotten picked up like yeah, a day a, or two he's, after he's we recorded. Man. Just and like a day or two after. Daddy, yeah, just like a just day or two like after we recorded daddy, that, bro. the Warriors picked him up. <laughs> Clamping food. But dude. what I'm seeing is happening for GP2, and some of this just comes with age and the fact that he's been able to grind it out, even though it's been back and forth between the league and the G League. The game is slowing down for him. And two, I think G- I think he came into the league at a time period where the league changed in a way that we'd never seen it change before Talk with what the it, Golden bro. State Talk Warriors were able to do because he came in in like 2016. So that was right in the heart of the Golden State Warriors changing the entire dynamics of the league. And like Justin was talking about earlier, at that time, everybody was chasing the Warriors. Yeah. So if you couldn't shoot, which shooting isn't one of his strong shoots, he's not known as a shooter. His shot is getting better over the years because that should just happen naturally. But he's not known as a shooter, but he can do essentially everything else on the floor for you. If you couldn't shoot, 
you were going to have a hard time sticking in the NBA right. because all coaches and GMs were looking for was let's find a bunch of shooters to try to catch up to the Warriors because they just blew everybody out of yeah, the water. Exactly. And it was so unexpected yep. that people reacted in such like a – a, a, a People, way that they were just all jerk. over the place. They, it was a knee-jerk reaction. It was like, whoa. And so, and, and so with that, you know, you saw a lot of guys get displaced. Okay, just go to the G. Yeah. Just go somewhere else. Just, just send these money. Go, go overseas. Go, go yeah, overseas. Absolutely. And that's exactly what people did. Yeah, and, and they he got grinded run. it out. And I asked him and about that. Run. And I asked G about that, and that's what he said when he was on this podcast a few months or however many months ago that right. was now. I think it was like April or something like that. I asked him, I'm like, yo, why haven't you decided to go play overseas? You've been back and forth. You haven't really been able to stick in the NBA. You've spent majority of your professional career in the G League. And he said, you know, the league is ever-changing. And I think he understood that he came into the league at a time where his game didn't necessarily fit the transition that the league was making. So he knew he had to stick it out for a little while because – this speaks to not only just his own personal experience, but he watched his dad. He grew up around the NBA, yeah. so he understands. You, you got to want it he so understands. bad. Your dad was there. You're like, but, I but, can get there. But it's not even just that. It's the understanding that the average person or a first-generation NBA player or a first-generation professional basketball player may not understand about the league and how it operates and how it is ever-changing. Sure. So if you can, even though the league may not be suitable to mm. your game at that particular time, he was aware enough and cognizant enough to know that Things are going to change, and the skill sets that I bring at a professional level are going to be needed at some point in the NBA. I just have to stick with it yeah. and grind Stay it ready. out in a way that most people wouldn't because they want to take the quick bag overseas. Or they may be discouraged because playing in the NBA and playing prof professional basketball is a short-lived career in itself. Or they don't have the expertise that he may have had because of their dad <laughs> didn't play in the NBA. So they didn't see the changes that his dad had to go through in his career from the Jordan era to the Laker era to the Heat era. Like his dad had to switch roles throughout his career to be able to sustain the Hall of Fame career that he had and G had a first row seat to it GP2 mm. had a first row seat to it so I feel like that helped him in a way to be able to understand my time's gonna come I just gotta continue to work hard obviously and then stick it out and obviously when the opportunity presents itself which is doing right now the guys out there taking Produce. advantage man well, shout out to my brother GP2 um, he just texted me actually not too long ago. He he was responding. I texted. I was so hyped last night. Like I texted him before the game even ended. Like you did your thing. Like when we knew the game was over, but everybody's hitting him up. He's been blowing yeah, up. He's been he was trending on Twitter and all of that. So he's got all kind of notifications. So he actually just texted me back since we've been recording this episode. Nice. But but shout out to GP two man. Keep shout keep working. Keep doing your thing. Six and one Warriors. Yeah, that's scary. Six and one Warriors. It's scary. It's scary for the rest of the league. I'm scared. <laughs> Everyone else is scared. Everyone's shook. Man. Yeah. Everyone's shook. Because you see these other teams. You the Bulls. It's cute. You know, Miami. Okay. 
But if the Warriors are playing like that, it's like and, and, oh, and, and they man, still don't have no, playing Wiseman. I thought they were, and oh, they I still don't video have playing Wiseman. Yeah, oh, the man. shot didn't leave. No, how could it? He's it, the yeah, second it's best shooter of all time. Exactly. And Wiseman is young. He's seven oh, foot. I like that, him. That, if the Warriors had any problem right now, it would be that they're undersized. And Wiseman changes he brings that. that. He brings a lot of that. He changes that. He's six eleven. He's athletic. He's long. Like you know what I mean. Right now, they're tough. They're gritty. He can their, shoot their, a little their bit system too. is great. He can shoot it a little bit. Like yeah. Wiseman he's changed good. the fact that you know if they play against he's a, major, a bigger team, he he's can be a, a major threat underneath. Piece of what the Warriors are trying to do moving forward, absolutely in pursuit of a championship absolutely. for sure, absolutely. Well, still got more to talk about, but I think we're gonna hold off until next week. I mean, we um, just did two episodes. We did, we did. Yeah, I think might. Justin, could, because I really wanted to talk about this Robert Sarver situation, the owner of the Phoenix Suns, who, ah. who's now under investigation. Yeah. He's officially un- so. Let's just report on it, I guess, because I don't want to get too deep into it. But we'll save the topic for next week. We'll save it for next week. Like I said, Justin didn't expect to have him for forty minutes, <laughs> but um, yeah, Robert Sarver. There was an ESPN report that came out today. Um, Earl Watson was a part of it, amongst others. And now it's been reported, Woj reported, that the NBA is doing an investigation. He made racist remarks, misogynistic remarks, and it was just a, a workplace culture investigation, essentially, that's taking place within the Phoenix Suns organization, similar to what we saw with the Washington football team. So um, that's a story that we're going to follow. I'll give my takes a little bit more on that next week. But on that note, we are going to leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and go win. Yeah,